point in our service where I introduce the speaker. Well, I'm not going to have to do that tonight. The speaker that we had scheduled, of course, uh, Brother Ben Mitchell, and normally I wouldn't consider whipping a fella for not showing up, but since he's my son-in-law, that maybe gives me a good excuse to whip him. So I don't know. That may be what happens. We'll have to see. Well, let me see here. I need to get a battery. I should have checked this before. Martin may fire me for being in charge of the battery. There we go. But anyway, I'm always happy to be able to preach. Uh, I like to have a little more time than than what I was given to prepare for a sermon, but hopefully it'll turn out the way we want it to. If you would be opening your Bibles to Genesis 37, Genesis chapter 37, we're going to notice a broad text of the Bible, but we'll start in Genesis 37 at any rate. Over the past six weeks, we've studied the lives of many of the great champions of the Bible. Of course, that's the theme of our summer series, Great Champions of the Bible, and there are a multitude of champions of which we read about in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. We read about Daniel, we read about Aquila and Priscilla, we read about the lady of Proverbs 31. She was a great champion of the Bible, though we don't know her name. We read about Enoch, Samson, and David. Now tonight we're going to look into the life of another champion. And that, of course, is Joseph. Joseph was one of God's greatest champions. And his story is a very unique account. He holds a very unique position among God's people. As we read about his life beginning in Genesis 37 all the way through to Genesis 50, where we read about his death, at no point in the account do we read about his doing something against God's wishes or God's will. Now that doesn't mean he was sinless, but what it does mean is that he was faithful, and he wanted to be faithful. And he did all that he could within his power to maintain his position with God. When we look at Joseph, we see a man who was was of model character. He was a model of character, wasn't he? He was everything we ought to want to be. We see divine providence in his life. We see that he was endowed with a forgiving and a gentle spirit. All things that we ought to want and all things that are necessary when we look at a great champion of God. He was blessed with great intelligence and great foresight. Together, those attributes made Joseph a highly trustworthy figure, one who rose to prominence in Egypt. 
and the one who saved the lineage, saved the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through whom the promised Christ would come into the world. Now exactly what was there in Joseph that made him a great champion of God? Well, we don't have the time to properly discover every attribute or to answer fully that question. We might study Joseph for years and years and still learn things from that young man that we ought to apply to our lives. But what we can do is take a cursory look at his life, at the things that happened in his life, and discover, discover some very needed traits that the world needs today. David K. Williams, a contributor to Forbes.com, wrote an article back in 2013. And the title of that was, Why You Should Fill Your Company with Athletes. Now we're talking about champions, but I think we can learn some things from champions in the sense that the world understands what a champion is and make that application into our spiritual lives. After he wrote that, he went on to write a follow-up article called The Seven Secret Traits of Enduring Champions. Now, within that article, he made this statement. He said, while the competitive spirit and desire to win can provide powerful motivations, it is also important to note that it is usually not when we are standing in the championship circle that we discover our best self. I think that's important. And I think that is absolutely applicable when we read about Joseph and applicable when we think of ourselves. He goes on to say, It is often during our most trying and darkest hours that we find out what we are truly made of. I agree with that. The great artist Michelangelo said this. He said, In every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. Now in his article, Mr. Williams went on to name seven identifiable traits. Now, the seven traits that he identified were champions never quit. They possess an iron will to win. They understand the what's-in-it-for-me mentality is self-defeating. They see the good in themselves and others. He says they are scrappy, meaning they're not easily deterred. He said they push through the pain until they find their stride. And now here's one I thought was absolutely compelling. They often leave their comfort zone to do things they know need to be done. Now I see a lot of those characteristics as necessary when we think of great champions of God. Tonight, I want us to examine some of the qualities that Joseph had that made him a great champion of God. Now we study Joseph not just to learn a little bit of biblical history. We study Joseph so we might identify those same traits or characteristics in ourselves 
or to be able to promote or produce them in ourselves. That's why we study Joseph. And then that way we can be the champions that God expects each of us to be. Now what I've done tonight is I have chosen a quality or a trait or a characteristic from Joseph which corresponds with each letter of the word champions. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. We're going to begin first with the trait of courage. When we look at champions and we look at the sea, I see courage. Now courage is doing what is right even when no one is watching. Joseph had that courage. It may be doing what is right even if no one notices what we're doing. Joseph was determined to do what was right whether anyone was watching or whether anyone cared. That's courage. Joseph had that courage. Now we witness a time in his life when he was presented with a temptation where he could have done something that God would not have approved of him doing. But he chose to be courageous. Here's what courage will allow us to do. Courage will will not allow one to let what others perceive or think about that individual to influence them or prevent them from doing what is right every time. It's hard to be courageous. But we see it in Joseph. If Joseph could do it, surely each of us can do it. It is the courage to not be like everyone else. It takes courage to be that way. It is the courage to not accept mediocrity, meaning I can be courageous part of the time. It's easy at times to be courageous. It's easy when we have a lot of support, maybe perhaps a lot of people thinking the same way we think, to be courageous. But it is certainly more difficult to be courageous when I'm the only one being courageous, right? We think of Noah and his family and the courage they had. After having been kicked off the team, sold into slavery by his brethren, taken from the house of his father, ultimately left on his own, and then bought by Potiphar, who was in the service of Pharaoh, captain of the host, and after having been promoted in his house, he faced some difficulty. Potiphar had not given Joseph dominion over everything. We're going to notice in a few moments where Joseph made the statement, all that he has is in my hand except for one thing. Joseph was not given dominion over Potiphar's wife. Now she didn't care. No one else probably would have cared. Notice Genesis 39 verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Now Joseph was positioned to harm Potiphar. Now what would the world encourage Joseph to do? Well, this man has kidnapped you, or at least he is benefiting from your kidnapping. He's placed you in a slave position. He's not treating you like you ought to be treated. So why not harm him probably in the the worst way he could be harmed? But Joseph had the courage not to commit fornication against God, against Potiphar, against his wife, or 
against himself. No one was watching, at least no one who cared. But he chose not to do that. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house. He doesn't even know. He, uh, and he hath committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? A great majority of the world lacks that type of courage, right? It's almost non-existent. A person may indulge in secret sins in this life, never being found out. But you know what? God knows. God finds out. He knows all things. Whether it's some sort of immorality, alcohol, or drug abuse, or any other sin that is a secret sin. It might be that we simply portray ourselves to be something that we're not. And God always knows. God expects us to demonstrate that courage in our lives to be what we're supposed to be and have the courage to do that even when no one is watching. Paul taught that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness. And then he went on to to command. He said, we need to prove that which is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. We have to be courageous even in secret. That's what it means. Courage was a prominent trait in the life of Joseph. But I want us to also notice that Joseph had honor. Their second point. We demonstrate our honor through our behavior. There's no other way for it to be demonstrated. When we honor God, we give our hearts in our souls, in our minds, to all that we do. And in whatever way, we have to do it as it were to please God. That means we cannot participate in things which would not please God. Now we ought to always honor God, honor our parents, honor our spouses, honor those who have the rule over us, even when we do not get what we want. I think that is a great thing that we see in the life of Joseph. I've got an idea that Joseph did not want to be sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites. He did not want to be sold to Potiphar. He did not want to be in prison for that which he was innocent. He didn't want any of those things. But what we see in Joseph's life is that he had honor and he honored God by honoring himself. He did not do anything or behave in any way that would bring discredit to God's people. Now people knew about God's people. They knew about Abraham. They knew about Isaac. They knew about the Hebrews. Remember, that's that's what Potiphar's wife, that's how she described Joseph when she made the lie that caused him to go to prison. She said, this Hebrew that you brought into our home came in and mocked me. So people knew about God's people. The thing we have to understand, he had honor. Now following following his refusal to sin with Potiphar's wife, notice Genesis 39-20. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. 
But God was with Joseph. And He blessed Joseph. And again, He honored God by honoring Himself. And He lived in such a way that would bring honor to God. Moses recorded this. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did and the Lord made it to prosper. Now do you know how Satan and those of the world would respond to Joseph's blessings? They would say, well, hey, I'd act the same way if God were blessing me like He blessed Joseph. Isn't that the accusation that Satan cast upon God? Job only is faithful to you because of all these great blessings that he gave you. After all, he was the richest man in the East. He had all this livestock. He had all these great children. He had a wife who no doubt was faithful and loved him and loved God. But Satan was wrong. He was incorrect. And Job was faithful to God even though he lost all that he had, including his health. That's why that's wrong. There are so many people in the world who have obeyed the gospel, who became New Testament Christians that ultimately forsook God because they felt like they were getting shortchanged in this life. If we cannot be courageous and honorable during difficult times, We won't even be courageous and honorable during good times. We have to keep that in mind, right? Paul said this. He said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. We may lose our health. We may lose our finances. We may even lose our families. But if we lose them through no fault of our own, and we're faithful to God, We still need to be courageous and we need to be honorable. We must never trade our salvation for the things of this world. Here's something else that Joseph did. Joseph was courageous and honorable, but he also maintained a godly attitude. Without a godly attitude, one cannot and will not be a champion. If we were to assign a numerical value, and this is, of course, coincidental, but if we were to assign a a numerical value to the alphabet, A equals 1, B equals 2, C equals 3, and so on, if we gathered up the letters of attitude, it equals 100. With a good attitude, you can be successful 100% of the time. Now, we may not be successful according to the world standards, but we will be successful. In comparison, do you know anyone who has a poor attitude? Does that person give 100% in their endeavors no matter what the endeavor? Of course not. Their, Their poor attitude prevents them from being a champion in whatever venue they have chosen to try to be a champion. Now, bad things happen in this life, but is that God's fault? No, that's not God's fault at all. It wasn't God's fault that, that Joseph was sold into slavery. It wasn't God's fault that he was mistreated by his brothers, by, by those who had the rule over him. That wasn't God's fault. So why would we abandon 
God when things don't go our way 100% of the time because you know what? It's not going to happen. Sin came into the world and Satan disrupted the perfectness of this world. And when that happens, terrible things happen in the world. That's not God's fault. But like Joseph, Paul gave 100%, didn't he? He's a wonderful example of that. When we look at 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, we notice the difficulties, at least the ones he recorded for us, that he faced. But he still had a good attitude. He talked about being beaten. He talked about being shipwrecked. He talked about being naked. He talked about being hungry. He talked about all the things in this life wherein he was mistreated or something bad befell him. And in the end of that passage, he says, and on top of that, the care of all the churches. Now what do we learn from that statement? He cared and he still had a good attitude. Paul didn't give up. Joseph didn't give up. So why should I give up? If I'm going to be a great champion for God, we don't have to be Joseph or Paul or any one of the others that we mentioned. We just simply have to be faithful. I've never been kidnapped. I've never been imprisoned. I've never been beaten for my faith. So why would I forsake God? And why should I have a bad attitude? A great champion understands the necessity of a godly attitude and how it will help that individual attain the goal set before. Joseph had a wonderful attitude. And because he had that wonderful attitude, he also had motivation. That's our M in champions. Motivation. One cannot be a great champion of God without motivation. You know what great champions understand? Great champions, and we look at any one in the Bible, and it is full. It begins with me. Look at that great champion's attitude. That champion will say, it begins with me. A great champion doesn't have to be pushed or prodded to do that which is right. He's simply or she is simply going to do that which is right. When we look at Proverbs 31. We see that great lady, that godly woman, she wasn't prodded or pushed to do that which was right. She simply did what was right. And it was difficult. Great champions understand the importance of getting better each day. That is motivation. We have to strive to do better. We also have to understand the source of our motivation, right? What what is the reason behind me striving to be better? What is the reason behind me wanting to get better every single day? I'm not going to do it for my parents. I'm not going to do it for my children. I'm not going to do it for my spouse. Now, do we think of all those people when we strive to be better? Absolutely. That's a large part of it. But why do I want to be better? Why do I want to be a champion of God? For God. Because that's what He wants. I do it for God and I do it for myself, right? Not in a selfish sense. But that's who we have to think of. Jesus warned this. He said, Matthew 10, 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear is a motivating factor in being a great champion. Not the only factor, but it is a motivating factor. But as we mature as people of God, 
our motivating factor turns more toward because that's what God wants and what He expects. Demas didn't have the proper motivation to understand what he was giving up. Paul said this, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. He loved living in this world. He loved the benefits of this world. I'm sure he enjoyed not being persecuted when he gave up God, when he gave up Christ. He didn't have the proper motivation. His motivation was because I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be persecuted. But there's something that all great champions like Joseph will have that is so much better. The comfort of the heavenly abode. If one doesn't have the proper motivation, surely he will not have the necessary perseverance that Joseph had. Perseverance is hard. But do you know why it's hard? Let's think about perseverance for a moment. Every day that we do the work that no one else will do, we are persevering. Now we need to look at that in a spiritual sense, right? We are persevering. We're doing the things that most people do not do. Being a champion takes effort. And it is a choice that we make every single day. We don't wake up on Sunday morning and and we're encouraged because we're coming together and we say, all right, I'm going to be a champion this week. No, we wake up every single morning and say, I'm going to be a champion today. I'm going to do that which is right today. Are you tired of practicing? Are you tired of practicing the Christian religion? Champions practice more. Are you tired of studying from the Bible to learn how to be a champion? Champions study more. Why is perseverance hard work? Because it is hard. It's hard work because when you do and you're tired, Of the hard work you already do, you work even harder. Perseverance is hard. But that's what God expects, right? Think of Joseph living in a dungeon. Not sleeping properly. Not eating properly. Not being treated properly. But he persevered and he always did that which was right. It was in the forefront of his mind. And he was so that even the the keeper of the prison put him in a leadership position and whatever the prisoners did, Joseph was the doer. He was in charge. The prisoner, much like Potiphar, didn't even know fully what was going on in the prison because he could trust Joseph, because he persevered. What if Joseph had just given up? What if he had said, well, well, my brothers forsook me, my God forsook me, so why bother? What happens when the Christian feels that way? What happens when the Christian says, you know, it's just so difficult. Now, it's not as difficult for us in our nation, but there are people around the world who suffer financially because they choose the Christian lifestyle. Peter explained in great detail to us what happens. Now, notice, let's back up a few verses from what we normally read when we read this passage and listen to the words of Peter, 
while they promise them liberty. Who's the they? Those people who say, forsake Christ, go into another religion, or simply just forsake God because things aren't going the way I think they ought to go. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. If we allow something to overcome us, we are now in bondage. So I have to make a choice. Am I going to be overcome with sin in the world, or am I going to be overcome with God? For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than them than the beginning. And then he uses the example of a dog returning and eating its vomit. What a powerful illustration. Who would want to do that, right? But that's what we are if we go back into the world. Or what about the sow had been washed and then she goes back into the mud hole? That's exactly what happens. Sin makes us dirty. You see, someone or something caused Demas to believe he had more liberty in the world than he had in Christ. Now that is not something for which Joseph would have fallen, and neither should we. That's not a characteristic of a great champion, but perseverance certainly is. But there's another one. Integrity, that's our I. Integrity. It is a trait of great champions, and Joseph had it. He had integrity. Honesty is easy when people are watching. Even a liar or a thief or a troublemaker will be honest if someone is watching. Great champions are honest when no one is watching. Integrity really is who we are. That's who we are. That's the inside person. And we ought to look at ourselves every day and say, How did I do today? I think Joseph would have been pleased with the response. How did I do today? Was I a person of courage? Did I have honor? Did I have a good attitude? Was I motivated? Did I persevere? Am I having integrity? Am I a person of integrity? Because that's who I am. Now here's something we have to understand about integrity. Integrity is something that only I can take away from me. No one can take my integrity. The Christians suffering under the reign of Domitian, they were people of integrity as long as they wanted to be people of integrity. The emperor couldn't take away their integrity. The military could not take away their integrity. The false teacher could not take away their integrity, but they could sure give it up. They could have been like Demas. They could have said, I'm sick and tired of the persecution. I'm afraid for my family. All I'm going to do is give up this one thing and everything will be okay. We have to have integrity if we're going to be great champions. How does that even apply to us today? We're not being persecuted. Well, I have to have integrity when I speak. We have to act with integrity. We have to dress with integrity. We have to entertain ourselves with integrity. And no one can take that away from us unless we give it up. No one. I don't have to go place myself in a position...
to give up my integrity. And we maintain our salvation through integrity, don't we? Notice what Jesus said. John 10, beginning with verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No one can steal my salvation, and no one can steal my integrity. Joseph maintained his godly integrity, and so can we. We can do it if we choose to do it. If we have courage, honor, good attitude, motivation, perseverance, and integrity, we will have optimism. We'll have the optimism of heaven. Here's the thing about optimism. Have you ever, have you ever been around someone who it was always bad? Glass is always half empty. Nothing good ever happens. We might say, well, that person is a real downer, right? I'm in a good mood until I get around that individual, and then all of a sudden I find myself in a poor mood. I'm depressed about what's going on. But optimism is a choice. How am I going to respond to life's events? You know what great champions do not do? They do not allow the circumstances of this life to alter their course. They're going to be optimistic because they see the end. They look at the big picture. They see what is greater. Joseph did not allow his mistreatment at the hands of anyone to alter his course in his desire to be faithful. Someone says this. They say, well, well, how am I supposed to never be discouraged? Well, I don't know why anyone would ask that question because... I have never read in the Scripture where God said, Never be discouraged. It's a sin to be discouraged. We look at great people who were discouraged at times. What about Elijah? Elijah had a great victory, then he went off into discouragement. Paul used him as an example of how to overcome discouragement. He said this, Romans 11 beginning with verse 1. He said, I say then, Hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away His people which He foreknew. Know you not what the Scripture saith of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. I understand, Elijah, that you're discouraged. But let me explain to you the whole situation. Don't allow the circumstances or the events of this life to cause you to leave your course. It's okay to be discouraged at times if we understand that we cannot allow discouragement to overcome us. What about our Lord? Was our Lord ever discouraged? He was discouraged in the garden, wasn't He? He begged with strong crying and tears, the writer said, for the Father to save Him. 
from the cross, Hebrews 5, 7. That's discouragement. But do you know what he ultimately said? Ultimately, he responded, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Was he discouraged? Sure he was. But did he overcome? Yes. Discouragement is a natural human emotion that can overcome us at times and we can feel like we're drowning in it. But we have to look to the end. We have to look and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Optimism is built into our hope. Hebrews 11.1 We have to have optimism. Do you know what happens if we have optimism? This is our end. We will never quit. Optimism will allow us to never quit. One man said, You can achieve anything you believe, so be careful what you believe, because we can gain it. We can achieve it. Great champions have a never-give-up attitude. We're not going to stop. We want the goal. We're not going to allow outside forces to stop us from achieving our goal. Joseph's goal, Joseph's goal was to be faithful. He didn't let circumstances, he didn't allow events, he didn't allow outside powers or people to stop him from achieving his goal. And you know what he did? He achieved his goal. If Joseph can do it after all he faced, surely I can do it. We look at the obstacles of life. And here's what we have to do. We have to determine how to get around them. We have to determine how to avoid them. Or how can we defeat them. We don't look at an obstacle and say, Well, I can't do anything with it. I'm just going to stop. Champions are relentless in their pursuit of excellence. Champions understand this. Great doesn't happen by chance. Great is the choice or the ability to choose it every single day. There are people who are great champions of God and we do not know their name. We'll never know their name this side of eternity. But they're great champions because they choose to be great every single day. Jesus promised, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Joseph sought God, and God blessed him. Well, what if we do not get the blessings in this life that we want? Hey, ultimately, he's not talking about the blessings in this life. He's talking about the blessing at the end of this life, salvation. And surely it will be worth it all. Now what we've talked about tonight, the attributes of a champion or champions. We've talked about courage, honor, attitude, motivation, perseverance, integrity, optimism, and never quit. All of those are key items if we're going to be great champions. But there's one more on which every single one of those rests. Without this last trait, 
will have none of the other ones. Our S is sacrifice. You know what great champions do? They give up what they love for what they love more. That's what a champion does. That's what God's champions do. Champions are not born. They are made. We're not born champions. We become champions. It's a choice. It's not easy. It requires relentless pursuit and it can be accomplished if we choose to sacrifice for that which is greater. When we sacrifice the joys of sin for the greatness of heaven, we will be great champions just like Joseph was. He had every opportunity to sacrifice that which is greater for that which is not. Christ sacrificed the greatest of all things. He's our example. If we follow after Christ, we'll understand what true sacrifice is. If Christ sacrificed the greatest of all things, He sacrificed heaven. He left the glory of heaven to come to earth, to be mistreated, to be murdered, to be disrespected. He gave up His physical life, everything we can imagine. He gave up the greatest of all things. If He did that, why would I believe for a second that the Christian lifestyle does not require me to sacrifice. Paul explained it this way. Philippians 2, beginning with verse 5. He said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We sacrifice for those things which are great. Christian life. That's the greatest thing we can attain. See, we have to be careful what we believe because what we believe is all that we'll ever achieve. We have to be willing to be champions. We have to believe Jesus is Lord. We have to be willing to repent of past sins. Make the confession before others what our belief is, that Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, that He died for us, that He came out of the grave on the third day, and He sits at this very moment at the right hand of the Father, ruling over His kingdom even until now. Being immersed in water for the forgiveness of sin places me on God's great champion's list. If we'll do that, We have to remember, though, salvation is like integrity. No one can steal it, but I can give it up. If you've turned loose of your salvation, get it back tonight. Don't leave here not in a covenant relationship. We do that through repentance, confession, and prayer. And God, once again, 
will view each of us as a great champion. Well, then we remain steadfast. And we are great champions. Great doesn't happen by chance. We close with this idea. Great, we might say faithful, is the result of choosing it every single day. If you have need to answer the Lord's invitation at this time, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.